0: It's um, it's great to see you all this morning. Um, so I'm Andy Howe, and and um, with Steve, um, lead Glendale Church, um, senior leaders of the church, and um, a special welcome to those of you who, who I haven't seen before. And it's just great to see you. You're really really welcome um, on joining us. And um, and so um, this morning we've got a sort of what we call a one-off or a standalone because and we are on Sundays going through the minor prophets minor prophet at a time and thinking of the message um, that they have for us today it feels very, very relevant. And we've just started that. But because day is gift day, um, we usually have um, a message sort of relating um, to um, to gift day as we're thinking about giving in a special way um, to, to God's work in this area. So um, I've... Um, a heading over this, um, which is our sort of vision. We have a purpose, which is to glorify God and do all we can to extend His kingdom on earth. And under that, we have a sort of a vision, of the way that we work it out, which is to reach, to heal, and to prepare. And, and that's my overall um, title for this morning. But then I'm turning again, it wasn't all that long ago that Steve spoke um, on this, Um, I I remember it well. Um, What we are calling in Glendale the Jesus Manifesto, the Jesus Manifesto, it's in Luke chapter 4. Now, um, some of you know that Liz and I had um, a holiday um, on the Isle of Man um, just a few weeks ago at the beginning of September, And while we were there, um, we went into a a really ornate um, Victorian theatre to hear somebody who's speaking um, either just has or is going to at Basingstoke because he's doing a tour. Well, we went to the Isle of Man to hear him. It was a little bit funny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it was really worthwhile. Um, His name is Ranulf Fiennes or Fiennes. And uh, and a lot of you, uh, you're correcting my pronunciation, thank you very much. You've heard of him and um, probably know more about him than me. But he's done the most amazing, adventurous things all over the world. And uh, he does this evening, which he's taking all around um, the country, a tour. He's pretty old now. And, um, you know, as as I think about that, I, I think of how he gripped us all. He really, really gripped us. And all he had was a few slides, it was like, you know, still pictures going up behind him every now and again, um, which he'd obviously taken and weren't of the most brilliant quality, and what he had to say. And he also had his hand, which he he just naturally held up as he was he was speaking, from which um, he had himself sawn off fingers because of the state of their frostbite. And um, it was the only way to solve um, his problem. So you sort of saw these fingers coming out every now and again and realised that what he said was authentic. And um, somehow he gripped us. I wouldn't say that he was the most brilliant um, speaker in style, but somehow he just gripped us with his stories. Some speakers have the ability to really grip their audience. And it's not always easy to explain why that is or how they do it. Perhaps their reputation, um, as perhaps in this case it was true, has gone before them. Perhaps they've got something to say that we recognise to be highly important. Or just perhaps they're just simply highly gifted speakers in the way that they put what they have to say. Great communicators. So um, we come to um, this passage in Luke. And um, I, I want to sort of speak... Um, about uh, this passage. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to go through it and I'm going to highlight some things um, for you which I find very interesting. I absolutely love this passage. I love it because I think that Luke has put it together brilliantly. It's just a brilliant piece of writing. And don't forget that in um, the first century it wasn't written down for people to read. Most people couldn't read but it probably would have been spoken out in, in gatherings of people of, of, the the early church many times before Luke even came to write it down so it's meant to be um, spoken out loud and that's Luke and, and and it's just brilliant a brilliant passage but the interesting thing is it's a little bit like a Russian doll and within this passage he is describing Jesus speaking and Jesus is an amazing speaker and put these two things together the way in which Luke describes it and the actual things that Jesus says and you've got a real beautiful Message coming through. I want us to see that this morning. Uh, I hope I don't spoil it or get in the way of it. I just want to let it shine out as Luke paints this picture of Jesus. And I want you to remember this. When we, and Lord, um, we believe Him to be the divine Son of God before we come to this passage. But Luke isn't writing it first and foremost, um, in my view, for people who already believe that this Jesus is the divine Son of God, the Saviour and the Lord. He wants them to believe it, but he's writing to people who don't necessarily believe it. So he's trying to convince. And I find um, this compelling and really quite convincing. So here we go. I'm just going to read the passage first um, straight. Jesus returned to Galilee, verse 14 of chapter 4 of Luke's Gospel. In the power of the Spirit... And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Matthew, Mark and Luke begin their... Um, Gospels. Well, Matthew and Luke have an, a, a narrative of um, the events around the birth of Jesus. Um, but, but they all um, precede um, Jesus' beginning of ministry um, by um, talking about his baptism. John the Baptist, the messenger who announced him, and then his baptism. And how he um, was anointed in a special way with God's spirit, with the spirit of God. Um, and we sort of see the triunal um, uh, Godhead in that baptism. And then Jesus goes out into the wilderness for 40 days, and we really don't know very much about that because he's right on his own. We're just told a few little details about it, but it's massive. It's a massive confrontation and overcoming of evil. And he he overcomes the, the evil... In, just because he's, he is filled with the Spirit, he is God, and he comes away filled with the Spirit. And, and that's how um, Luke describes him. Um, he returned to Galilee. He had um, been in a, a different area. So he returns to Galilee, Luke says, in the power of the Spirit. Now, um, I think this is really clever of Luke, Because he's building up to this passage that Jesus is going to read, which as far as the people in the synagogue are concerned, is Isaiah the prophet, written several hundred years ago. And it is their scripture. And it is speaking about the Christ, the coming Messiah. And they are clear about it. And they are very familiar with the passage. They, they, they will have heard it again and again and again as Hebrew scripture. And it starts off with this phrase, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And the effect of Luke saying at the beginning of this passage as he introduces Jesus, that he came in the power of the spirit, is that us listening link that with the opening of the reading from Isaiah and without anything being said or us necessarily thinking about it it means that we somehow automatically think oh the two things are the same this is Jesus speaking here because the spirit of God is on him. Lucas told us that at the beginning of the chapter. Do you see? It's a real, real clever technique of style that Luke is using to impress on his readers or his hearers that this, Jesus, is speaking the words alive now. And and, and quite often when we read it, that's how we take it. We don't even think, oh, this is quoting from Isaiah. I, I just want you to get that. So Luke says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit... And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. And this is another significant thing that Luke says as he leads up to this passage. Jesus was teaching in the synagogues. And everyone praised him. And he again, in my mind, is preparing us for reading um, the Isaiah passage or hearing it as if it is Jesus himself. Because three times, this mentions proclamation, preaching, teaching. So it's very easy for us to think, oh, this is the one who's teaching in all the synagogues and everyone praises him. So Luke is setting us up. It's brilliantly clever. And then he says he went to Nazareth. And the setting is so important. Nazareth is where Matthew tells us Jesus was brought up. And clearly Luke agrees with that. And I don't think he mentions Nazareth in his um, account of um, the um, birth of Jesus and the early years of Jesus. But Nazareth was a despised town. A town um, which was really looked down on by the rest of Israel. There was nothing about it that made it stand out whatsoever. And Matthew and, and Luke let us know that that's the place where Jesus was brought up. It so fits the message that comes out from Isaiah, which Jesus is going to speak, that he was born in Bethlehem in poverty. And that he grew up in a place that was despised by Israel, by the Jewish people. And so he returns to Nazareth and just as his way is, because he is practising the customs of the Jewish people, really important for us to notice, he goes to the Sabbath on the Saturday. And he goes to the synagogue, yes, so he's in the synagogue. And we're told, Luke says, it's his custom. And in the synagogue, I don't know if you've ever been in a synagogue, but, you know, people do get the men, men only, even in many today, there are liberal um, synagogues where women can have a part, but mostly in the traditional ones, the women are in a gallery. And um, they're often knitting and chatting and making a noise. And you remember Paul says the women are to be quiet because it feels as if he's sort of speaking into that synagogue-type situation where the women are separated from the men, and they're carrying on, and they do. And if you go into a synagogue, um, certain synagogues, you will, you will experience that. So he goes into the synagogue, and as a man, he has the opportunity um, to stand up and read. And he's given this scroll, of the prophet Isaiah. And he reads it, but it feels as though he is speaking his own words. because of the things that I've said earlier and probably because of the way he reads it so it's very easy for readers today who don't know their old testament their hebrew scripture um, to think not to realize that he's completely quoting scripture and I think this is really really worth noting Jesus is using hebrew scripture as his authority And he's letting it speak for itself. So important to read God's word. It does speak for itself. And so he reads this wonderful passage. Preceded by the the, the wonderful words that Steve read. About the coming in of God's kingdom eternally. And this is the passage. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me, first person, to proclaim good news to the poor. This one born in Bethlehem, growing up in Nazareth, so fitting. He sent me to proclaim, to preach, to speak, to use the word. And the word is so important. This word from Isaiah and Jesus' word. To proclaim good news to the poor, number two. He sent me to proclaim, to pronounce like a messenger used to, you know, or town criers before the days of printing and newspapers, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Um, the, and recovery for the, of the Lord's favour. So Jesus um, reads this out and then he sits down. And it's so dramatic because in effect he's, he's read out this word. And then he sort of sits down and just lets it stand. And then maybe he says quite a bit more and gives an exposition of it. But it's enough for Luke to say how he started. And that's what we're left with. And it is just so amazing. And Luke again gives a little setting. It's dramatic. It's intense. We're sort of on the edge of our seats. He rolls up the scroll. Gives it back to the attendant. Sits down. Everybody is looking at him. Why are they looking at him? It's the way he read it. It feels as though, it feels as though he's claiming it. And when Luke's telling the story about it, he's making people think that all the more. But they didn't need Luke's introduction and wouldn't have had it here in life first time it was done. And every eye, was on him and he said today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing So Jesus claims that these words from Isaiah are about him. He says he's taken them on board as a description of what he's come to do. Okay. So... I've got a couple of takeaways from this. First is the portrait that we have in it. I mean, first is the revelation, which I've spoken about through going, in going through the passage. But our takeaway, the portrait of the ministry of Jesus to the needy. The ministry of Jesus to the needy. Now, who are the needy? That's a very interesting question to ask. And it's very important for us to ask it today. Who are the needy? On the surface, the needy are the poor, the weak, the humble, the downtrodden, the refugee, the slave. And the sense of that comes across here. But I want to say to you that in truth, in the whole picture of things, and I would say through scripture, the needy are those who feel that whatever their position as human beings, they have a sense of need for something more. If you have a sense of need, you are needy. We are reaching out and our gift day, we are, we are um, letting people know this, that the money from gift day is going to go primarily um, for mostly new um, projects that we've started up, um, some using money from, um, from the council, grants, um, but that won't continue, um, to help those who are obviously needy. People who've landed here... Um, From other countries, and people who find it hard to manage, um, and um, people who, um, mums with their their needs with um, small children, often very challenging time. And that's where we want to put the money that's given. Um, When you're thinking about the needy in that sense, the parable of the banquet springs to mind where um, people are invited to the banquet, Jesus says, and, and they make excuses and so they go out and bring in all the people who um, are, are certainly not dressed appropriately and um, they just don't belong to that set that was invited in the first place and, and, and they're all brought in and, and um, that's a picture of, of God and of Jesus welcoming those people in. But... I want to suggest to you, and I think that you'll easily agree, it is possible for those who are healthy and wealthy, for those who are in a fine position, who are worldly wise, highly educated, gifted celebrities, to have as deep a sense of need as the poorest beggar. And it is possible for the poorest beggar to have no sense of need at all. There's one guy um, who um, sleep, slept, haven't seen him for ages, the streets of Newbury, and if you got into conversation with him about his lifestyle, he would say, it's just so fantastic, he has nothing to worry about, he's fed, he's got all he needs, he's got his warm, warm stuff he can put on at night, even if he's outside, he loves the outdoors, and it is fantastic, leave me alone please, you know, don't, don't try and get me in, I don't want to go in. Well, Possibly the majority of those on the streets are not like that. But there was one guy who I remember and I can remember speaking to him and he was as happy with his lot as you might think the person in their castle. But I'm always fascinated to read stories in the news about celebrities whose lives have ended so suddenly and so young. And sometimes you can't get to the bottom of the reason for it. Sometimes you can. But we have many, many, many new stories, mysterious stories of how someone young has died, very well known. And I think, wow, why was that? What happened to Warney? You know, why did he go like that? What happened to some of the big pop stars? What happened to Elvis? You know, what happened to the great poet, Dylan Thomas? Very, very, very needy people. The ministry of Jesus is to the needy. If you think you're okay, well walk out okay if you feel a need then Jesus offers to meet that need in every way the second takeaway is about the word uh, given in the power of the spirit now I um, There is a Hebrew word for word, which is devar, devar. And it's interesting, this. this is right in the Hebrew culture and the Hebrew mind. It's not in ours. It also means a thing, you know, a real thing. So there's this spoken word like we know it. But the same word that is being used for that means a thing, something real and material and not abstract like a word is. And throughout our scriptures, the use of the word word is quite difficult to get hold of. It's a massive concept. God speaks creation into being. His word is makes it happen. It's like... It happens just because he speaks. It's just powerful. And then we've got um, what we sometimes call the word, which is scripture, which is written word. You can easily sort of get hold of that idea. But word is God's communication. And he communicates his word through prophets. Prophets. But the, the most important way in which God communicates, the most important word is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The word made flesh that John speaks about in chapter 1 of his gospel. And he introduces us and he links it with creation. Through him, everything was created. So then, you know, if you sort of enlarge your mind, you can go back and and you, you sense, okay, Jesus was there in the beginning. Somehow he was something to do as the word with creation, which was brought into being by the word. And it sort of has multiple, multiple meanings. And the word is preached or proclaimed. And that's what this word in Isaiah is saying. The messenger who goes out with the word, the gospel, the good news for the poor, for the prisoners, for the blind, for the oppressed. And to speak about God's grace over it, God's blessing, God's mercy, the year of the Lord's favour. That's all word. It is very important. And I want you to think about this. When Jesus heals, very, very often... The writers of the Gospels make the point of saying that it was by a word. The power of the word. Take up your bed. Arise. Your faith has healed you. Get up. Take your bed. And the centurion, a Roman centurion outside of Israel, once said to Jesus, Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And then there's human preaching of the word, which is what's going on now. If it is true to the word, and if it's not what I'm thinking up and making up and giving to you, which can sometimes happen when people are speaking and preaching. We need to hear the word because there is a power in the word, especially when it's anointed by the Holy Spirit. So there is the human preaching of the word. We can gossip the word too. There is prophetic preaching when you feel in your heart and mind that God is speaking to you. And the word of God is described by the writer to the Hebrews as a two-edged sword. And what happens through the word is exactly what we heard in the introduction to the minor prophets. The minor prophets were doing. They were exposing need they were exposing human sin and failing they were urging a turning repentance to god faith in christ as savior and lord they weren't quite doing that but that's what happens in the new testament and effectively they're doing that walking in partnership with god to bring in his kingdom act justly we're called in the series, love mercy, walk humbly, or in our vision statement, reach, heal, prepare. And we, in doing this, have the authority of God's word, of God, of Christ, who sent his disciples out, to continue taking this word out like Jesus did. We follow in the footsteps of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, in proclaiming and bringing in the kingdom of God through his word. And that's why in Glendale Church, the word and the teaching of the word has had a prominent part from its birth. So on the surface, this gift day, we're focusing our giving on practical ministries to obviously needy people. But in doing so, we want to see these ministries as a way to provide opportunity to share the gospel. Because we firmly believe that in being called to help people in our community who are in need in their daily lives and need to develop their ability to help themselves, Whereas that is important, we believe wholeheartedly that only the gospel of Jesus Christ has the unique power to bring people to God and transform lives. Ultimately, people will only come to a clear understanding of the gospel if it is explained and proclaimed. Hence Jesus' words, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. And Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Well, as the disciples of Jesus, we've all been sent. So let's be challenged to think about ways in which we can, and sometimes are oh, we are given opportunities, sometimes we miss them, how we can best use opportunities to share the gospel in words in an appropriate manner. And God bless us. Father, we thank you for your word in the fullest sense. We worship you. This is a needy world, many people not even seeing their need. And in Jesus Christ, your son, your word incarnate. All needs can be met and you will bring your kingdom in. Help us, we pray, to play our part. In the name of Jesus, amen.